Welcome to the Watching World Podcast, a podcast of abundant life whose mission is to see lives changed by Jesus and whose vision is to be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. I'm your host, Les Norman, and joining me again, I love this series, guys, the Pastor Phil Hopper and our lay pastor, our, our engineer, our statistician, our our wonderful genius here is what I call you. I used to call you the fun the fun names. Now I'm just going to call you our wonderful genius. But what I mean is a great heart for the Lord. Ed Croteau is joining us. So we're in the series Sharing Your Faith in Post-Christian America. And this is episode six, Why We Can Trust Our Bible. We've gone through why we can trust our Bible, the New Testament, the Old Testament, archaeology, prophecy. Today is secular historians. And so, Ed, I'm going to start with you, and I'm going to throw this question out there, okay? We talk about secular historians. First of all, what does that mean? We know the—can we trust the Bible? And so as we read the Bible, we're learning, okay, there's, there's all this proof that we talked about. Who are these secular historians, and why should we listen to them? All right, so let's first understand what we're talking about, why this is such a powerful piece of evidence for demonstrating— not just a Christian worldview, but anything you're trying to prove. Um, You've just had recently most of the Holocaust survivors now have passed away. Most have have died. And there you can actually go to a website and find teams and people that say the Holocaust never happened. Right? So you can have this movement that there's no such thing as the Holocaust. Well, what you would do to try to refute that or verify that is you would look at not just what the eyewitnesses during the Holocaust said, most of them are dead now, you actually look at supporting evidence from, quote-unquote, secular authors who were, who were outside the Holocaust, who were historians, to document what happened. There's no difference here. One of the key tools in verifying the veracity of any piece of, piece of literature, whether it's ancient or even the more recent, is look to what people outside of that literature said about that literature, about the author, and whether it corroborates or you find discrepancies and differences. Is there a common denominator where when you're trying to get, whether it's a debate or even just a simple conversation where people maybe not believe that the Bible is true, or they ask the question, how can you believe that the Bible is true? Uh, Most people might talk about the Bible. Is it more common ground to use secular historians' writings, historical artifacts, things like that, to maybe get on that same level. Because we we talked about last time how people are just going to be out sometimes. They're going to believe what they're going to believe. They're going to denounce it. They're They're going to get rid of the information because they're going to get rid of the information. It's just what they want. But with secular historians, does that put things on a, on a more level playing field, so to speak? I'll be honest with you. I don't think so. I think what I tend to do is I say, why wouldn't you believe the Bible? So mm. I tend to take it from the other point of view. The bottom line, and we know this, the gospel's true. Amen. It's not just something we love to tell people about because it makes people feel better. It's true. So this is just one more piece that says, if you're interested in seeing how this gospel is true, we actually have people writing about someone in ancient history who died on a cross, claimed to be God, and rose from the dead. So not only are we sharing from you from what God says in his Bible, we actually have other people that agree with him. So that doesn't just help you share the gospel with others. It should actually strengthen your faith. It should make you more excited to share the gospel. I'd love to hear that. So who are some of these people? Are these people that 
were alive back then that wrote about it. Who are these secular historians and, and what are they writing about? I'm going to give you one, and then Phil's got one he's going to talk about with Tacitus. But uh, I'm going to share one that just kills me. I think it's so awesome. So we've got this letter from this guy. His name was Pliny the Younger, Pliny Segundus. Now, he was a governor of Bithynia. It was uh, one of the provinces um, in, the, in the region in Rome. And he writes a letter to the emperor. It was Emperor Trajan at the time. And basically, his letter says, you're going to help me out with what I'm doing. I'm not sure if I'm doing the right thing. I want you to help me. I got these people. They're called Christians. And, you know, these people— Oh, those Christians. These Christians. And these Christians, for some reason, um, they claim that you are not God and king. They worship this person. And literally, it's in the writing. They worship this person called Jesus Christ. And they actually come together in evenings and sing songs to him and worship him as God. Okay, so here we have authenticity of ancient literature that people actually regarded Jesus Christ as God. And they said, so here's what I'm doing. I call, I, I ask the people in the town, in the region, to accuse anybody they want who they think is a Christian. I put a big placard up in the square. They write their names down. I call these people out in front of everyone. I put a statue of Caesar right there. And I said, okay, here's the deal. Right now, if you're willing to curse, now this is in writing again, curse Jesus Christ as God, and bow and claim Caesar is your God, you can live. If you don't, we're going to kill you. And he says to the emperor, do you think that's okay? Is there any problem with that? Because that's what I've been doing. After the fact. Yes. Now, is this not incredible? And so then he writes in there, just like you would think happens in in America today, in post-Christian America, he says... Some people say, well, you know, I used to be a Christian, but, you know, I've thought about it a lot and I've decided no, and they bow to Caesar. And then there's others that say, absolutely, Jesus Christ is God and it's not Caesar. And then he says in the letter, and I ask them one more time on threat of execution. And when they persist, I find it right to execute them. Is that not incredible? That is incredible because it's it wasn't now the the execution of this time wasn't just okay we're gonna we're gonna plan this big event you're gonna go to prison for ten days or a year or something like that it happened pretty quickly didn't it it can be both ways um, when you read in Peter in his epistles and he says you know you really ought to count it joy in tribulations now Peter's writing when Nero is is the emperor and they're specifically seeking out and killing Christians and here you have Peter saying isn't it a great deal. Now, because you worship Jesus Christ, that you should count it joy when you're persecuted for his name. So you have situations where they're breaking into people's homes like Paul did, dragging them out, throwing them in prison, or they're killing them right there if they don't recant. Hmm. That's amazing. Pastor yeah. Phil, you had someone to talk well, about, yeah. too. And I think that's amazing on two levels, Ed. One, it tells us a lot about early Christianity. <laughs> you know, the Romans would not have persecuted Christians had they simply added Jesus to the pantheon of gods. The Romans actually gave a lot of religious freedom to conquered people to keep worshiping whatever gods they wanted to worship. Just add them to the gods of the Roman pantheon. They are already pluralistic theologically anyway. The real issue is this crazy idea that not only did they worship a man resurrected from the dead, but they worshiped him exclusively. Like they said, no, there's no other God but our God. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. We will bow to him alone. And so consequently, so many Christians did die at the hands of the Roman state because they would not worship Caesar as a God. There's one king. 
Uh, and, and, and I think there's a lot to be learned there, Les, because we are returning to the days of Rome. Christianity is ending where it began, yep. in a pluralistic society. That's right. We're, uh, we're a nation of many gods, and how dare you say that Jesus is the only way? And you're openly, Open openly, hostility, hostility sure. challenged, yeah. put down, cast aside. So uh, the other day in a Bible study with a group of paradigmers, I said, does anybody really know what the battle cry was when the American Revolution started? It wasn't no taxation without representation. It was no king but Jesus. See, this isn't taught anymore. I've never heard that before. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, 52. I've never heard that before until right now. It's not taught. Wow. It's insane. And so we're moving further and further away from what Phil just said, a, a, a nation that worships the one true God. Yeah. But here, here, here's the reality of uh, Christianity. Unlike any other faith system in the world, it can be authenticated in various ways outside of the Bible. See, it's no longer enough simply to say, well, the Bible says so. A circular reasoning. If one doesn't believe the Bible, that that doesn't have a lot of credibility with them. Okay, so let's look for evidence outside of the Bible, outside of the biblical authors to authenticate the things we believe. It's real history. Uh, Unlike, let's say, the Book of Mormon, where if you're a Mormon today, you pretty much have to close your eyes and blindly believe this guy Joseph Smith really was inspired to write the things he wrote. And guess what? It can be proven it didn't happen According to Joseph Smith, there was a battle that took place in upstate New York where a million men were slain in one day between two great American civilizations of Native Americans that Jesus had come to evangelize. Well, guess what? You can go to upstate New York to the very place Joseph Smith said it happened, and there's not a shred of evidence. Not one. Uh, Unlike the Bible, where we can point to evidence over and over again, we've talked a lot about it, in the last few weeks. One of the most amazing things I think we can point to is the extra-biblical evidence. The authors outside of the biblical authors, what did they say? And so, uh, as, as I think Ed said, it would be akin today to say Jesus never existed. It would be akin to saying that the Holocaust never happened. Yet there are people today that still believe that. Uh, and so, Uh, Again, let's just follow the evidence wherever it leads. There's this Roman historian by the name of Tacitus. He authored the Annals of Rome. He's writing in 115 AD, and he's authoring the history of the Roman Empire. He's writing some 50 years after the reign of Nero in the 60s AD. And so he's referring back to uh, Nero's administration. Of course, it's well known and documented that Nero set a fire to Rome that burned half of Rome. Nero wanting to rebuild Rome in his own image, in his own likeness. He thinks, well, how can I do this? Because there's buildings everywhere that I didn't build. I know what I'll do. I'll torch them. Uh, And it's said that Nero fiddled, literally, while Rome burned. Well, he has to figure out a scapegoat. And so he blames the Christians. They're an easy people to blame. Nobody liked them anyway. They are anomaly of society. Uh, And so they were easy to blame, and he did. And so Tacitus is writing this history of Rome 50 years after, related to uh, Nero's administration. He writes this, Christus, the founder of the name, was put to death by Pontius Pilate, procurator of Judea, in the reign of Tiberius. But the pernicious superstition, repressed for a time, broke out again, 
not only through Judea, where the mischief originated, but through the city of Rome also. So here you have a Roman historian, certainly not a believer. He has no bias to try to prove the Bible or to prove the existence of this Christus, the one we know as the Christ. Yeah, he's just authenticating uh, this ancient history that we build our belief system on, that Jesus really was a real person. He really was the fulfillment of the Hebrew prophecies. He really was nailed to a Roman cross where he bore our sin and died. And three days later, he rose from the dead fully alive. And for generations thereafter, Christians were giving their life for the belief that Jesus Christ really was alive, and they were persecuted mercilessly in the early days of Christianity. You're saying that there there are people, ancient people that existed and were real people through the annals of history. We know they were real people, real leaders who definitely weren't Christians, hated Christians, blaming Christians and throwing these things out there, and yet they themselves, the people they hated, the people they wanted to wipe off the face of the earth— their testimony and writings are saying themselves that there's there was this guy named Jesus who was crucified by Pontius Pilate. So it's not just Christians out there that as we read through history and these secular historians, documents, all that, it's everywhere. The evidence right. is everywhere, Ed. Right. Right. And this is, we think this is some kind of like defense system Christianity came up with that we're really hoping people will look at. This is normal methods of investigation. Uh, 500 years from now, someone says, so there really was a church named Abundant Life and a guy named Phil Hopper who was pastor? Well, that's okay if all we have to look at is some website information. But we have information from Lee Summit High School and communications with Phil over supporting them and elementary schools on how we would help their kids with lunches and And a cool and podcast. And a cool podcast. We have all this extra— And a database yes. with thousands of names on the membership <laughs> roll. We Those have— thousands of names all verifying and validating yes. the fact, by gum, there was an abundant life. Son of a gun, you know? <laughs> so we have all this, right? So the point is good evidence doesn't become bad evidence just because of time. Or because people don't want it to be. That's right. Good evidence stands on its own regardless of time. And we have information here relevant right close to the time where he lived and died and rose that corroborates from hostile witnesses. Now, Tacitus is nobody, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Hostile witnesses that say Jesus Christ not only lived, he died on a cross and something crazy happened where it broke out and it spread to Rome after he died. I wonder what that well, was. He even named specifically the Roman governor that crucified him, Pontius Pilate. <laughs> yes. And here's what's significant about this, Ed. Uh, the Romans crucified tens of thousands of people. Uh, at the time, this would not have been a significant event in the eyes of a Roman Caesar, a Roman historian, or even a Roman governor. Jesus would have been one more criminal that they nailed to a cross of thousands and thousands of unnamed criminals that were put to death by Rome. Something about this crucifixion stood out Yes, that it was still remembered by Tacitus generations later. And even if they didn't find Jesus worthy, they found the facts of history worthy, yes. which have- proved the truth. We have a whole book you can, anyone can get, and I would recommend them getting this book. It's called Fox's Book of Martyrs. Mm-hmm. Love that book. Where you literally have people at that time who wrote testimonies of going in to be eaten by lions, 
or covered in tar and set mm-hmm. on fire because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Yeah. So that's one of the books that people can get. I mean, there are people, li- yeah. people I listening. I would call Fox's Book of Martyrs a must read. Outside of the Bible, it ought to be required reading. Uh, John Fox lived during the Reformation. I think he authored this sometime in the 16th century, sometime in the 1500s. Takes you from the persecution of Rome, first 300 years, to the persecution of the Holy Roman Empire. And I say that tongue-in-cheek. That was not holy at all. But the Roman Church itself began persecuting Christians. And so it, it is eyewitness accounts of the persecution of Christians from the early Roman accounts to the medieval accounts of the Roman Church, uh, burning Christians at the stake as heretics because, man, they wouldn't, uh, they, they wouldn't let's say, um, not baptize by immersion, okay? Or uh, they, they continue to cling to this belief that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone, uh, that you couldn't buy your way into heaven, right? All the reasons Martin Luther nailed the 95 Theses. So, so, so John Fox does this amazing job of just chronicling. Uh, and then there's a new edition, a new version that gives you some of the latest stories and eyewitness accounts of modern-day martyrs all over the world giving their life for Jesus. And so it's a remarkable eyewitness account. I, I wish everybody would read it. I, I don't think we appreciate how we stand on the shoulders of giants. Mm-hmm. The, the church today stands on the shoulders of people that gave their lives just so we could read the Bible. That's amazing. That, that, that's, a, that's an amazing word right there. That's all about truth, perspective, understanding the folks that went before us with their courage, with their faith, giving their lives their lives unashamedly in the face of fear, in the face of death, without question. It wasn't, it wasn't a situation where they had to think about it. It was as if they were just taking another breath, even if it was their last this, one. This is the history of the church, Les. Tertullian was one of the early church historians. He was anything but a Christian. He was born a pagan in northern Egypt, Alexandria. In uh, about 195 A.D., he was converted to Christianity because— of what he saw, not what Christians said, but what they did, that they were willing to die for their faith when they didn't have to. And he's the one, of course, famously wrote, the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church. Uh, and, and, the, and the persecution could not cause the destruction of this movement. Uh, and so the more blood that was shed, the more the, the Christianity would spread. And, and that is our history. That, that should be our DNA, that the world is still watching. And the question is, are they, they being changed by what they see? Right. And I would say the problem in modern America is the church has no scars. We don't, we don't want to suffer anything, right? And so uh, I think this history not only authenticates Christianity at large, but it ought to inspire us to give our life as others have before us. You know, as we, as we say these things, right, we're in the perfect time to do that. So here we have now more and more of a government that's more and more secular, moving further away from Christian, Christian thinking, and we have more and more people now who seem to be following along with that. It is the perfect opportunity to be talking to people about, well, I use the word apologetics, the reality is the truth about these things that are true. This isn't a story. This is history, and Jesus Christ is alive today. He's alive today. That's exactly what this historical information confirms for us when we read the Bible. So for our listeners, you can go back. This is episode six in our series. You can go back, starting with the very beginning, 
We've looked through the New Testament, the Old Testament, archaeology, prophecy in this episode, episode six, the secular historians. And then next time, episode seven, eyewitnesses, eyewitness accounts with a a speciality, if that's a word, on the resurrection. Yeah, I can't absolutely. wait for that one, absolutely. episode seven. So basically what you're saying is after all these things that we've discovered, Ed, that there's proof that we can trust our Bible. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it simpler for people, more practical on the phone. Um, this life's temporary. Amen. This yeah. ain't it. We're, we're living in a world right now. We're getting older, like me. I'm sore. You know, I go through things. But there's an eternity there. There's an eternity where all these things that we fuss and worry about today are well taken care of because when we trust in the one that all this evidence points to, he's got it. It's our hope. He's got it. Yeah. Yeah, praise be to God, unless it's worthy of our life. It is absolutely worthy of whatever the cost. The prize will be worth whatever pain. In the days ahead, it's not going to be easy to be a Christian. That's right. As I've said before, we're losing the home field advantage. The church has never meant to be mainstream. It could be argued the worst thing that happened to the American church and Western civilization is it became mainstream. You look at our history. We've always been countercultural. Uh, and so uh, there's a sifting taking place. I think now that while it's going to be hard in the days ahead, I think it could be the best thing that ever happened to the modern American church. We talk about sports Sometimes, you know, <laughs> some sports guys at this table, you talk about losing home field advantage, but just because you have to have an away game doesn't mean that you don't play. It doesn't mean you don't get in the fight. Yeah, if right. w- whatever society is turning and if the home field advantage is going away, I still want to get in the game. I still want to, even if it's an away game, I still want to get in there and fight. Yep. And uh, for you as a baseball player, imagine saying, well, we lost game three, but you know, we, we're going to win the World Series. Mm-hmm. That's right. right? That's We right. know that. I love it. Thanks for playing on our field, on the sports field there. I appreciate <laughs> that. Well, gentlemen, listen, thank you so much for this. We know, we all know that we could talk for hours on this. I could listen to you both talk about this for hours. But for you listeners out there here in the Watching World podcast, you can trust your Bible. Go back to the earlier episodes if you haven't caught them yet. This is episode six in the series, Sharing Your Faith in Post-Christian America. This was why we can trust our Bible with a focus on secular historians. Go back and look up prophecy, archaeology, Old and New Testament manuscript evidence. There is amazing stuff out there. And then next time, eyewitness accounts. Ed, thanks for being here, buddy. We know your schedule's crazy, but we appreciate you being here and all that you do. Brother, thank you for always having me in here. I really, really enjoy this. And as always, Pastor Phil, you've got a tight schedule, but sharing your heart, your wisdom, your care, your love for people, and your willingness to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ is uh, truly a breath of fresh air. Thank you. No greater cause. Absolutely. And to all of you, we thank you for listening. For more information about Abundant Life for Next Steps, Ministries, and more, visit us online at livingproof.co. For my guest, Lead Pastor Phil Hopper, and for our lay pastor, Ed Croteau, I'm Les Norman. Thanks for joining us on the Watching World Podcast.